Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Keynote by CNBC Events. I'm Sharon Epperson. On this podcast, we bring you in-depth, candid conversations with executives, experts, and thought leaders. Joining us today is Schwab Asset Management CEO and CIO, Omar Aguilar, and T. Rowe Price, Head of Global Multi-Asset and CIO, Sebastian Page, two leading portfolio builders. I spoke with Aguilar and Page at CNBC's Financial Advisor Summit on June 15, 2022. We talked about heading into the second half of the year with a tactical approach to combating market volatility and rising interest rates. Here's our conversation. Omar, I want to start with you about your concerns about where we are right now with the markets, how much further they can fall, and whether we're going into a recession, because that's going to affect how financial advisors rebalance their clients' portfolios in the second half of the year. Absolutely. Clearly, uh, we're in a very interesting and difficult time in the market. Uh, I would probably say something that we haven't seen in quite some time. you know, we, we, we look at this in, in several, you know, pieces where, you know, recessions and, you know, market cycles are something that we have lived through. The last one was in 2020. Um, you know, we have seen an acceleration of those business cycles and how things move, um, you know, whether or not, you know, it is through, you know, market volatility, whether it's through economic downturn. But in general, what we are seeing today and what is in the minds of a lot of our portfolio managers and a lot of advisors and a lot of our clients is that we're in a period of significant number of transitions. We're transitions from, you know, central banks. We're going to hear more, you know, this afternoon on, you know, moving from a very accommodating rates to a more tightened financial conditions, increasing interest rates. We're seeing a period where we see a, you know, significant amount of expansionary growth in economies going through a deceleration into the last phase of the economic cycle. And that transition has actually been very aggressive, at least of what we've seen so far this year. Um, we've seen probably the biggest change of what we had seen in pre- prior cycles or something that we haven't seen in a long time, which is going through a significant inflationary period. And that has obviously taken the market in a place where we've seen that levels of volatility. Um, the other big transition is also economically, where we can actually see the transition from a goods level inflation to a service level inflation because of COVID. And because of that central component of not only going from a, you know, goods, you know, level driven inflation during the lockdowns to just moving everything to services to pent up demand through the significant amount of supply changes has created an inflationary uh, situation that is obviously of concern of everybody. Uh, and the other piece that we've seen in, in, in transition is the fact that we're going through a place where we've seen deceleration of earnings and deceleration of profit margins in companies, things that we haven't seen in quite some time. I think the, the last piece of this set of transitions going into the credit market, and that is just the beginning where we had seen the credit market being very solid thus far, you know, going into the next phase of, of, of the transition of the credit cycle. So when you look at all these pieces, in theory, all looks very similar to other, you know, um, business cycles. The big difference this time is that we have a significant pressure on inflation and central banks, you know, will have to act to counter that inflation. So in light of that, in light of that outlook, what are you saying in terms of rebalancing clients' portfolios for the second half of the year? The 60-40 is not necessarily going to work as well in what you're describing? Well, you know, what we're continuing to tell, you know, clients is that these periods of volatility is is critical 
for them to do several things. And number one is to think about the long term. Number two, to stay diversified. And number three, to stay disciplined. And when you actually think about those three, rebalancing is the key part of it. You know, during this period of time, there's two pieces of rebalancing that matter. You know, number one is rebalancing your long-term strategic goals. So that is in the process of long-term investing. Don't panic. This is not the time for panic. And, you know, we have written at Schwab many, many articles where we say panic is not a strategy. At the end of the process is you have to think about long-term investment objectives and the plan and the strategic allocations and try to look for opportunities to rebalance to those. And I'll touch base that in a second. You know, second piece is stay diversified. You know, many, many people will have views on what is the best opportunity to do that. What we have seen so far is this compression in valuations that allows assets to become more attractive. Well, at the end of this process, looking at those opportunities that we'll discuss later in, in, this, in this panel will probably allow people to take advantage of these disruptions when you see market, market changes. But the most important one is to stay disciplined on your rebalance strategy. During this period of time, you know, what we advise, you know, and talk to advisors a lot, it has to do with, you know, looking for opportunities to reduce cost in your strategies, to look for tax-efficient strategies that allows you to take advantage of the volatility and to continue to emphasize the diversification across the different parts of the market. So when you put those three together, what we advise clients to do is to say, look at where the disruptions are in your market. Most likely, the risk that you thought you had in your portfolio is now changed and rebalancing to the risk profile that fits you and your clients is a critical part of the next phase of the rebalance. And second, try to look for opportunities. You know, you have assets that have lost in value. Try to stay invested, but look for opportunities to do tax loss harvesting so that you can stay with the exposure that is consistent with your long-term risk profile, but allows you to take advantage of that tax opportunities that normally in other markets you don't have. And then finally, you know, this is an opportunity for reducing cost. You know, when you actually have been trying to get out of certain securities or certain, you know, positions, you know, this is an opportunity to rebalance, to reduce cost of your all, all overall portfolio. Excellent themes to keep in mind, especially as some assets managers are saying, you know, they're looking at the disruptions. They're saying it's not fundamentals that have been driving the sell-off. It's fear. It's uncertainty. They're looking at the Fed inflation, possible recession, all of these factors leading to something that may cause their clients to make rash decisions, but they are trying to help them stay the course and rebalance appropriately. Sebastian, what do you think about this kind of uh, assertion that it's not about fundamentals and that really portfolio allocation for the second half of the year has to be tactical? If I'm a financial advisor and I meet a client in an elevator, what do I say in this market? And I think what I would say, and it summarizes what we've been talking about here, stay invested, stay diversified. It sounds very trite. It's very basic advice. But in this environment, it's more relevant than it's ever been. And fundamentals to your question will assert themselves over time. You mentioned the probability of a recession. That is a big question for tactical asset allocation at the moment. Will the inflation shock create a real growth shock that turns into a deep recession? Sharon, history is not on our side here. If you look at the 13 hiking cycles since World War II, 10 of them ended in a recession. In fact, the Fed has never been able to reduce inflation by 4% or more 
without triggering a recession. And here's another scary statistic. We've never had in a quarter unemployment below 5% and inflation above 4% without a recession within the next two years. Again, as Omar said, let's not panic. We sometimes use the expression, this time is different. There are conditions right now that should give us some comfort. There is not as much borrowing and leverage in the economy from households and from corporations. Typically, before a big financial crisis, a big growth shock, now we are in a financial crisis. The question is, is the next leg the growth and earnings shock? Uh, you have a lot of leverage. We don't really have that in the economy right now. And the other topic we're monitoring very actively is supply and pent-up supply. Sharon, there is a scenario where we start to loosen supply and pent-up supply. There is a lot of it in energy, in transportation, in labor, pent-up supply in goods inventories, and we're seeing that start to loosen. As pent-up supply comes online, maybe part of the Fed's job will be done in lowering inflation, and we already have a lot of rate hikes priced in, so maybe we'll navigate that narrow path. But ultimately, tactically, look, we entered the year underweight equities, invested, but underweight equities. Normally, after a sell-off of this magnitude, we would be buying stocks. We tend to be contrarians. At this moment, we are not buying stocks, given the volatility and the uncertainty on the next leg of this uh, potential dual shock in the economy. Sebastian, when you talk about tactical asset allocation, I'm curious because if the general idea is to take advantage of strong market sectors or differences in market pricing, how do you do that when it seems like everything is just going down? You know, the most interesting part of that statement, everything is going down, is how much bonds have gone down. Now, the good news with bonds is that when they go down by a lot, their yield goes up. So we've actually tactically been adding back to bonds and closing our underweight in treasuries. So that is an opportunity to at least go back to neutral. The stock bond correlation is actually quite important for tactical asset allocation decisions. It has turned positive year to date. Both stocks and bonds have gone down together in a way that looks almost statistically impossible if you look at the history of markets, but it has happened because of the rate shock. And so if you think about tactical asset allocation, now's a good time to kind of at least go back to neutral in our minds on stocks. There are opportunities for relative valuations. For example, Sharon, in value stocks, we're overweight value stocks at the moment. We take a six to 18 month horizon. Now you might say, are you really contrarian? Because growth <laughs> stocks have underperformed value stocks by 17% year to date. How is that a contrarian bet? Well, believe it or not, if I look at the last 10 years, growth stocks in terms of valuation relative to value stocks are in the, their 80th percentile. So they're still expensive relative to value stocks from a longer term perspective. So if you think of energy, commodities, materials, financials, we think there's an opportunity to, on the margin, tilt towards value stocks at the moment. There are other opportunities in credit as well. But the bottom line, I think, is relates to something Omar said, which is when you get market dislocations, you do get valuation opportunities. You do get opportunities to lean into assets that are cheaper. That 
relates to tactical asset allocation, which we do in our asset allocation committee, but it also relates to security selection and active management. Absolutely, absolutely. Omar, I want to get your take on this for sure, because, you know, we're looking at so many asset classes taking a hit from gold to crypto, equities, bonds. Where do you see the opportunities right now? Well, actually, it's, it's, it's an interesting question, and, and I would probably start by saying the, the typical cliche of people say we need to find uncorrelated assets or we need to find ways to diversify away from traditional assets. You know, we, we have done lots of research over the years at Schwab about what the definition of uncorrelated assets. And, you know, it all goes back to the definition of what is the definition of an asset class and how you actually create a long-term investment strategy that fits with what is the expectations of the asset class as well as what is the role of the asset class within a portfolio. And this is very important for advisors to think through because it's very common, especially in periods of short-term volatility, do we actually see those um, correlations to basically don't work the way you expect it to work? I think, as you mentioned, normally in a flight to safety, you would expect things like, like gold to do very well. What we have seen over the last couple of weeks is that we see bonds, we see equities, we see some commodities, including oil and gold, you know, all of a sudden in certain weeks and certain days all go down at the same time. And that is not very uncommon when you think about this short-term horizon. So a big part of what we overemphasize when we think about you know, the, uh, the, the work we do with advisors is to say, try to look beyond just the short-term periods of volatility to try to emphasize the role of the asset class and the reason why the asset class belongs in a portfolio strategy. Just because an asset class is uncorrelated doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to provide the so-called protection during periods of short-term volatility. And I think that's very critical because, the, you know, they have been discussions, especially in the last, you know, uh, couple of years, that digital assets and certain crypto s strategies will actually be inflation hedges, which, you know, in, in many ways, the, the challenges of those areas is that there is no fundamental reason that will actually say that there is a link directly in terms of you know, inflation and the structure of those asset classes. What we actually try to advise clients in this particular case is that when you see correlations go to one, that only tells that the market is not driven by fundamentals or economic or long-term expectations. Most likely it's driven by behavioral biases that are coming out in the same time. You know, and this is you know, very typical of, you know, of bear markets. This is tip very typical of market volatility. When you see biases like recency biases, loss aversion biases, or anchoring being the drivers of the majority of investment decisions in the short term. You know, in the previous panels that you have, you know, people were thinking about, well, you know, this is the time to actually have cash. This is the time to actually keep cash or keep the powder dry. And our advice to, you know, is to think about the long term. And cash is usually not the best investment decision in the long term. In many cases, as I said before, staying invested, staying diversified, and stay disciplined tend to prove to be a better long-term strategy than trying to time you know, when you have more cash and when you deploy cash. That is something that if you have a systematic process for rebalancing, will naturally get you to the most opportunities as you go to see what the role of all asset classes you have in the portfolio. Excellent. And Omar, you've said in the past that you know, it may be time to pay attention to some aspects of your investing that you hadn't been paying as close attention to before. I'm thinking 
talking about looking at international, looking at uh, currencies. Why is it important to do that as you're thinking globally on staying invested? Well, this is this is a great topic and a big you know uh, part of our work with advisors is to is to think about you know it's a very natural human behavior to chase returns. This is something that everybody loves. Everybody loves to talk about the winners. Everybody loves to talk about, you know, what has worked. This is always a good, you know, discussion that advisors have with their clients. There's always good. You know, nobody really likes. And again, this is not a, a, a bad thing. This is just a human behavior bias where you don't necessarily want to take, you know, you know, talk about a lot of your you know, losses. But at the end of the process, this is the perfect time to overemphasize those opportunities because most likely, I think Sebastian mentioned this, you know, before, this is the time where those areas where you haven't looked the most are the ones that probably look much, much cheaper. These valuation contractions usually get overextended in a short periods of time. And this is a great opportunity again for tax loss harvesting and for basically overemphasize those asset classes that you haven't looked before. You know, we have had clients that for the last, you know, 15 years have not, you know, looked at international assets because, you know, for the right reasons, the U.S. was leading economy and was moving forward. You know, this is, again, post-financial crisis, given all accommodations by central banks and actually work out the way it is. Well, this is an opportunity to overemphasize that second, you know, component that I mentioned of diversification. And diversification in international markets is critical. As we continue to go, yes, there is a tactical component today to think about the economies that are stronger relative to others. But at the same time, this is in the long period of time, it has proven to actually help in reducing the volatility of your strategy and help you get to your investment objectives. That includes, you know, uh, looking at emerging markets, looking at frontier markets, looking at developed markets, looking at the currencies associated with those, and in general, taking opportunities that allows you to complement what it may be your core holdings in areas where you feel comfortable. Excellent. Com Complementing your core holdings with other strategies as well, Sebastian, is the last question I have for you. Are there things that you're looking at beyond just the tactical asset allocation, but maybe looking at some tax strategies as well that you're advising portfolio managers and financial advisors to take a look at right now? You know, generally speaking, alternatives deserve a fresh look, given that we're in a higher interest rate volatility and higher inflation volatility regime. The role of treasuries in the portfolio is still important, but in my mind, it's diminished. If I look at a model portfolio, for example, I have those in my book. Let's say it's a 60-40. Of the 40, I would have 12% in different alternatives. Now, as you do that as an advisor, as you begin to look at options across the alternative space, liquid, illiquid, and commodities and beyond, it's very important to keep in mind what Omar said about the difference between diversification in good times and diversification during market sell-offs. And if you are an advisor and you're looking at a strategy that has a lot of credit risk exposure, for example, or a lot of so-called carry exposure, which is indirect equity exposure, you're exposed to rising correlations during downsides. In other words, when the stock markets sell off, you might get a correlation surprise in your alternative investments. They might become more correlated. They might go down with stocks. And Sharon, you mentioned everything looks like it's going down this year. So it's really important not to use average diversification and to look at what I will call 
regime-specific or downside diversification characteristics for the different assets that you want to strategically put in the portfolio to ultimately replace some of that traditional treasury exposure. Sharon, the way I like to think about it when I look at average correlations, it's kind of like saying I have my head in the freezer and my feet in the oven, but my average body temperature is really, really good. It's sort of like <laughs> saying this alternative investment on average is really good diversifier. But to Omar's point, when market crash, markets crash, it might actually look really different in terms of its diversification properties. So I'm not yeah. arguing against alternative. My ultimate point is that there's an enhanced or a bigger role for alternatives going forward with lots of interest rate and inflation volatility. But the selection is really important. And the focus on diversification, not in good times, but diversification, how the asset classes behave on the downside, Sharon. That was Omar Aguilar, Schwab Asset Management CEO and CIO. And Sebastian Page, T. Rowe Price, Head of Global Multi-Asset and CIO. They joined us at CNBC's Financial Advisor Summit on June 15, 2022. The keynote is produced by the CNBC events team. If you enjoyed this conversation, please share with your friends. You can visit cnbcevents.com to learn about upcoming events and how you can join us. I'm Sharon Epperson. Thanks for listening.